welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast big episode. We have Joetta Clark Diggs, also known as Joetta, an American middle distance runner. I mean, the American middle distance runner for a lot of people, a four-time Olympian, 15-time All-American, nine-time NCAA champion when she was at Tennessee, 11-time USA national champion, and is in the USA Track and Field Hall of Fame. Joetta is an Olympic athlete who has made an indelible and incredible impact in sports and business after her legendary 24-year elite career as a half-mile runner. Joetta represented the United States of America, as I said, in the 88, 92, 96, and 2000 Olympic Games where she was voted as captain. She is a president of Joetta Sports and Beyond, LLC. Find out more information at joettasportsandbeyond.com. It's in the show notes. Where she inspires people to discover their champion. She authored a book entitled Joetta's P, Principles for Success, Life Lessons Learned from Track and Field. The acclaimed book has been considered a tremendous resource to both corporate executives and the youth. Joetta's father is Joe Clark, who is played by Morgan Freeman in the film Lean on Me. Joetta's daughter is a Saucon Valley graduate, an accomplished athlete in her own right, competing in the most recent Olympic trials. I want to thank Joetta for taking the time to talk to us and encourage you to continue to follow her, learn more about her. This was a uh, tremendous opportunity for me, and I truly appreciate it. So let's get into it. Joetta, thank you so much for taking this opportunity. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm a fan. Yes. I mean, I don't try to talk about myself too much during the podcast, but I was a, a track and field athlete at Moravian University, and um, during the, the 90s and the early 2000s, huge, I still watch now, but even back then, you're constantly watching everything, so it's, a, it's an honor. I know many people who are going to be jealous of me <laughs> being in the same room with you, so wow. thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to start off because I think a lot of people know this, but but some may not. You know, your uh, father was portrayed by Morgan Freeman. Yes. In, in the movie Stand by Me, right? Lean, lean, lean on, on me. Yes. I, I apologize. In the movie yeah. Lean on Me. Yes. Um, which is powerful, and it's amazing. I mean, we just said before we started to have Morgan Freeman play mm-hmm. anybody, but let alone you know your, your own father. Yes. How is that experience, you know, with your father growing up? I imagine that he must have instilled a lot of these you know, principles that you have yes. as, as you matured. Yes, I had really stern and strict parents. My father was very stern and strict in the household. So what you saw on TV from the portrayal of the movie to what you may have seen um, on various shows, the interviews he was on, he was no nonsense with us and no nonsense with the kids. So it was um, an honor to have a movie made after you while you were alive. Um, So Mm -hmm. that was something special. And we were excited to have Morgan Freeman play uh, my father because we saw him through uh, Zoom and some of the other things that he played. So it was really cool to be around him, have him follow my father to get his mannerisms down, and then to just have the movie come out. And that movie was um, filmed in 1989. Okay. So this is... 2021, right? And the movie is still sure. shown, and people still talk about it as if it were yesterday. Right? It's amazing. I mean, when you were younger, did you? I mean, most people know of who your father is now. Yes. When you were younger, did you have that sense of how important his presence was, or the things that he was doing? Well, it, when I was a kid, my father was a school teacher. Uh, when I was in college and um, in school, that is when the movie and all that came about. Mm-hmm. So I was 21, I was older, 
when that movie came about and it was still exciting and I was away at school so when he was on the Today Show or with uh, right. Phil Donahue's show back then I would see that in school oh there's my father what does he do now that type of thing so it was kind of cool to see it done but I was older True. as a kid I just knew my father was stern he was educated mm-hmm. he wanted the best for his children they worked hard to provide for us and we traveled a lot so I knew that part of, of, of him True. and then the celebrity part of my father I was grown if you will so I had a different perspective of it my sister was 15 years younger than me I have a brother oh. and a sister okay so she grew up five, six, seven with that lean on me, that whole scene. Mm-hmm. And she was in the trenches with him during that phase. And my brother's two years younger than I am. And he was in college at Villanova University. So we were, it was like, a, it's a big gap. So we were adults when the movie came out and so she was younger. So she had a different perspective on right. looking at him as a celebrity. As with us, it was just our dad. Right, and, and I think that's that's interesting because, you know, you look at him as your dad. You're you're he's instilling those things in you, and it's right. not hey, this is coming from a celebrity. Correct. It's coming. You care about that because it's from from your dad, yeah, our father. Yes. Um, I'm curious, how did you originally get started in athletics? Was yeah. it like with many kids, you try a bunch of different sports, and no. this is the one that you were good at? Or <laughs> no, good question. You have to, if you can go back to the '60s, sure. when you had um, Title IX had not really come around yet, so we didn't have the access to the same sports as as boys. Mm-hmm. So um, I played tennis. I danced with the Alvinelli Dance Company, the Junior Company. I uh, bowled. And I ran track and played basketball. So that's kind of what I did. And then as I got older, I started running track. And my father wanted us to run middle distance and distances because at that time, black Americans didn't run distance. It was the Kenyans and Mm -hmm. the Ethiopians. So he wanted to dispel the notion that black Americans could not run distance. So he put us in distance and we did well. Did you? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you ever have that? Um, want to run some of the shorter distances? Yeah. You have friends running the 100 meters oh, and geez. 200 meters? Uh, we were good at that, but there was no option. <laughs> so right. we may be good at it, but he said we were going to do that, so we did that. And so back in those days, you didn't talk back mm-hmm. and you didn't reason. They said do something and you pretty much did it. Luckily for us, we were good at it, so it was okay. And I, you know, I won all the cross country sure. meets and then I won the mile in 800. So I happen to excel in that. But the bigger point was that if your parents tell you you can do something and they provide you the opportunities and they support you, you can do that. And he didn't want people telling his kids what they couldn't, could not do. Sure, and you were a mid, mid-distance runner, yes. so 800 meters, 1500 meters. Do you, looking back on it, do you have one that you, I'm sure they're both like your, your babies, do you have one that you like better than the other? The 800. Yeah, Two is laps. it shorter or? <laughs> I was good at it, I was the okay. best in the world. Sure. <laughs> so so I, I like that, best, best in New Jersey, best in high school, best in the college, best as an open athlete. Which is amazing. So I was able to make a living right. from it. So I didn't really try to go down to the four, or up to the mile, I just stayed with my baby, if you will. But I mean, you could have, right? I, I mean, you, you I definitely could have. Yeah, I could have done. I could have done the four. I could have done the mile. The training would be different. Sure. But I think that um, from high school, I just kind of stuck in the eight fifteen, and then I would run cross country as a way to, to help keep my that team. Base up well, to and, keep yeah. to help my team in college. Okay. I was good. The best well, of course, but in, but in high school, the best in the country. But in college, I was like fourth, fifth person on the team. So that was my role. 
full cross country. But then that allows you to have that strength for the 800 meters if you're doing the, the 5Ks and the, yes. and the 3Ks. Yes, 3Ks, yes. So, yeah. um, you're, the, the thing that amazes me so much with you is your longevity. Okay. You know, you're looking from the late 70s mm -hmm. to the early 2000s of right. being consistently the best in the world or yes. among that tier. Uh, rarely injured, you know, I don't think you've missed any um, championships throughout yeah. your career. W what do you attest that to, to being well, able to have that such a long, I mean, that's amazing. Some people don't even have two years. Well, I think for me, when I started, and because there was no money involved, I just liked it. I liked running. And for women at that time in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, there wasn't really much money unless you were really, really good. Right. And you have to remember it was communism, East Germany, West Germany, Yugoslavia, all these countries have dissolved now, but um, Romania. So you, you had to run against the Eastern Bloc countries and they were running 153, and my best at that time was maybe 159. Right. So I was just happy to be in the races with them most of the time. So my longevity came because I, one, enjoyed it, and I wasn't chasing the money, and two, I was given a body by God to be healthy. So genetically, I was able to run you know, we did a lot of LSD, and that wasn't drugs. That was long, <laughs> <laughs> that was long slow like distance. Like after the practice. <laughs> yeah, that was long, right. slow distance. So for me to be able to do that training mm -hmm. and still be around in 2000 when training changed, and we didn't run on uh, grass, we didn't have all these swimming and ultra Gs, we didn't have these things. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing plain, straight out running on cement. Period. We didn't have these cushiony sneakers. So I was able to stay healthy. So that was something that happened through the grace of God. And then uh, when 1989 came around, the wall came down mm -hmm. in, in Berlin. So now Eastern Bloc countries have dissolved. The drug situation changed. Mm -hmm. So now I go from just being okay to running 157, which is now one of the best times in the world. And then I hung in there until 2000 and kept getting better and better. Did you go from you know running in New Jersey in high school against a really good competition, the yes. best in the state, but then you line up on a track next to the best in the world in not a lot of time, you know, maybe just a few years, if that. Yeah. How is that mentally to look over and, and just be like, wow, this is the best of yeah. the best? So you're right. In New Jersey, I went undefeated the best in, in the state, best high school in the country. And then in college, one of the best, I won a bunch of mm -hmm. NCAA titles and All-American championships at the University of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I then line up against the world. And my time is no longer any good, but that goes to the point of you have to believe in yourself and you have mm -hmm. to have fun. So I was having fun. I knew what my mission was at that time. I was traveling across the world for free. I represented the United States mm -hmm. and all these places for free. So that was really good. And I had a small little contract, which wasn't much, but a little contract at the time. And then I just got better and better and better. And then I hung in there long enough to make a living out of it. So I didn't look at it as running against the best in the world because I'm one of them now. Right. You see, right. so it's a different, I guess I it's a mindset. Differently. Yeah. It wasn't, maybe my first year or two, it was like, oh, there is Jamila Crutchy Villiver or there is Dorian Malente or there is Anna Kuro. Uh -huh. But then I'm become them. Right, so, so it's like, who am I looking at? They're looking at me this looking way. looking at me, yes. I, that's yes. <laughs> but where throughout the world, I mean, this is probably a hard question to answer. Okay. 
Um, but in America, it's a little bit different when it comes to track and field. And you yes. know, that, like in Europe, the Diamond League meets. I mean, yes. that's like the it's you. The stadiums are packed. Right. Were there some of what are some of your favorite overseas places that you've competed? Well, the same meets you see now are the meets that I enjoy going to. Monte Carlo. Um, I would uh, go to Zurich. I would like I like going up to Oslo and in England, Gateshead. So those meets are still on the circuit, and I enjoy going to those meets. And I, and I won. I won Oslo. I took th- I, t- I took third a couple times in Zurich, uh, Monte Carlo. I, I won down there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was really cool to be able to see the meets now and mm-hmm. say I ran then and I won those races as well. Uh, and kind of transitioning to that, clearly the Olympics just took place. Um, how have things, you know, clearly things have been different. We all know this. Yes. But coming from a track and field uh, perspective, how has it been difficult maybe for some of the athletes that you've seen over the last year, year and a half? How, how have things changed in that sense? Uh, with the COVID situation, right. it changed because of no competitions, uh, basically training all the time. But I think out of it, they trained, they were healthy, their bodies rested. So that's why in 2021, you saw so many amazing performances because they had time off, their bodies were rested, were rested, and they were able to to get ready for this year when they were able to compete again. So this year, uh, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen because they ran a lot more last year, um, even with the college kids. Last year, they were in school maybe virtually. They weren't walking around on campus. They rested a lot. So now they're walking to classes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're studying longer. They're trying to get involved in the football games, basketball games. They're trying to be a student and a student athlete. So I want to see how that transitions to competition because now you are really immersed in the collegiate experience as where 2020 and uh, the beginning of 2021, you were basically kind of in your dorm if you were on campus right. or at home and weren't, were, you know, weren't part of the culture of a college athlete, having to make decisions. Do I go to that party? Do I go hang out? Right. Do I get involved in that? So I, I want to see what happens this year because it will really be a true example of being a student athlete. Right. Uh, Talking about some of those exciting athletes, I mean, you, we have a, a thing, Mo, yes. right? Who's amazing. Yes. Like, do you see a little bit of her in you? I know that uh, she was uh, one of your former uh, track camp members, so you have personal experience with her. Can you talk a little bit about that or how special she is? Well, a thing didn't go to my track camp. Okay. A thing was a dear friend of my daughter's. Uh, she ran for the track club from New Jersey. So I've seen her run for years and I watched her and I'm Auntie Joetta to a thing. And just to see her win two gold medals as a yes. at 19 is just unbelievable. And not only gold medals, the times that she ran, that was just unbelievable. So she surpassed the joke was to beat my time, which is 157. So she right. did that quite handily, running 154. So that and uh, so that was really good. And then uh, my daughter ran the 400 with her thing, and they happened to be in the same con- uh, same conference. A thing was at Texas A&M, and my daughter Talitha Diggs was at is at the University of Florida. So the two of them were the best collegiate runners in the country, and they were just 18. My daughter is a young. Uh, sure, I'm uh, 18 and I think it was 19. So they're running against girls that are 22, 23 sure. because of COVID plus red shirt. So to have Tilly to run 50.7, 
uh, second best time ever in Florida's history. And then the thing won 48s and 49s. It was just really special to see the two of them compete. Can you, can you talk, your daughter also competed in, in the trials. Yes. She didn't advance, but can you yeah. talk about that experience? Yeah. Now, I mean, I know as a competitor, to get to that level and not advance, you're still upset about it. You know, more, most people are like, oh, that's amazing, you got there. Clearly, you know, she wanted to succeed and, and have her goals met, but can you talk a little bit about how she handled that and what her, her plans are and what you see? Well, I think as an athlete, you always want to make the team, especially when you see people that that are good, but you're right there with them. Mm -hmm. I think for Talitha, it was a transitioning year, and she just kind of ran out of steam toward the end. I think this year, moving forward, they'll make some adjustments, and she will be able to continue to rise and peak at the trials. For her, she was upset like anybody else would be. And I think uh, we asked the question, when did you know that you really wanted to make the Olympic team? And she said, well, I didn't make it. When she didn't make it, she said, I really knew I wanted to make it. So I think with that mindset of not making the team, it will help her to make some adjustments and adjustments uh, mentally and physically for this upcoming year. But I think that you can't go into it saying, well, I didn't make it or that person made it moving forward because that's over with. Right. What, what's the takeaway? What do you have to do differently? What does the coach have to do differently? What do, does your support team have to do differently to help you? And then what do you have to do differently? Or what do we have to keep the same to make you that marquee collegiate athlete and an open athlete. So I think that we have a good finger on the post for her this year, and I look forward to seeing what she does. And I could be wrong about this. I just thought about, isn't the Olympics, hasn't it kind of the timetable been moved up because of the delay, or? No, it's still no, it's 24, still okay. it be in Paris, and then this year, well, 2022, you have the World Championships that would be in Eugene, Oregon. Right, okay. So they're gonna keep that go back, get back on schedule. And I do want to mention that Talitha is a Saucon Valley yeah. graduate, so it's yeah. Lehigh Valley, you know, connection yeah. we wish her Yeah, she graduated from Saucon Valley. She was a very smart student and mm -hmm. is in college as well. She's all SEC academic and athletically. And um, she was homecoming queen when she was in Saucon Valley <laughs> and a lot of great stuff that she did there. She really loved the town, the community, and she, always wants to do something. So when she comes back, she always goes by to see the kids. That's great. Um, and, and now moving on, because you know we, we could stand, spend hours talking about your career sure. and all the amazing things that yeah. you've done and things that you've seen. But I, I think it's also important to note, you've had this long career in, in athletics, mm -hmm. and now you, you retire, yes. and you go, eh, I'm, instead of retiring, let me just start another career mm -hmm. as a motivational speaker, an author, and you have some of your, your products here we're gonna yes. talk about. What was that? Did you, well, can we talk about when, when you were retired um, it, it, to begin, yeah. did, did you say, I want to take a break? Clearly not. You wanted to continue to, yeah. to work. You know, what was that mindset when you made that decision? Uh, when I retired in 2000, it was the first time that my family, a family made the Olympic team. We went one, two, three in the 800. My sister won, my sister-in-law was second, I was third, and my brother coached all of us. So when I retired in 2000, they wanted me to do one more year, 2001, a goodbye year. Okay. So I didn't want to do that. I had enough, I was done, I was 38 at the time. And I believed to whom much is given, much is required. I wanted to start a family. So I knew that I, running wasn't part of my cards. I had done enough. And so I said, well, what else can I do? And as I said, to whom much is given, much is required. So I thought that I would use my track and field um, contacts and, and notoriety to, to start a business. So I had already been speaking 
since 1988. Okay. But I was selectively speaking. That means small assemblies here and there. Or people like invited you to yeah. do something. Yeah. So then in about 99, 2000, I started Georgia Sports and Beyond. And at that time, I did not know what the Beyond was going to be. But I kind of liked that name, Georgia Sports and Beyond. And I started doing motivational speaking. And then I started tracking field camps. And I, uh, it was the 21st year of my track camp this year. And uh, we started the foundation in 2002, where we did a lot of scholarships. We've given over $75,000 worth of scholarships to student athletes. Um, so I just kind of stayed in that lane, then just kept morphing and morphing and redefining, redefining myself and what I wanted to do. And why is it important for you to give back? I mean, I think that's a, it's a very easy question to ask, yeah. sometimes a difficult one to answer, but what is it to you that compels you to do stuff like that? I think people uh, do things differently, but for me, I've been given the gift to speak, to motivate, and people listen. So I have an audience, I have a platform, so what am I going to do? Track and field is what I've done, so I know sports, and I know business. For about five or six years, I was the commissioner of sports in New Jersey when we had the Xanadu, um, it was called New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority prior to becoming Xanadu. So that's when the Nets, the Jets, the Devils, the uh, Giants, the Metro Stars were all at the Meadowlands right. Sports Complex. It's changed since mm -hmm. then. So because I was involved in that industry, that billion dollar industry, I decided to, to trickle down, if you will, mm -hmm. and see what I can do on the grassroots level. So and that's why I think it's important to give back it's like, because I can, I have a platform, I have connections, and to do something I enjoy doing. And I mean, working with young athletes too, I would imagine, you know, not, and it's not just the ones who do incredibly well and, and who win Olympic medals, but I'm sure it's the others who, who compete in athletics yes. and then it becomes a part of their life that can help them in whatever else that they decide to do. Well, the camp has had amazing athletes come through the camp. Um, Sydney McLaughlin's come to camp, Miles Marshall. My daughter, Talitha Diggs, mm -hmm. uh, Nine Bridges, um, Porsche Dobson. We have people who have gone on to do amazing things in college, but then you have the kids that just want to come. And yeah. so we say this camp uh, is not about being an Olympic champion, but it's about being the champion of your life. So they come into the camp, they meet different people, they have a great time, and they learn a life skill that they can take with them. And we make, they meet friends, uh, they stay in touch with one another, and that's so exciting. So for me, being a businesswoman with the track and field camps, with the motivational speaking, I go into school programs and we do programs um, that focus on mind, body, and, um, and fitness. So mm -hmm. it's called Head to Toe Fitness. I have a partner now where we do a thing called Joe Time Fitness. Yep. And that's a lot of athletic fitness and spiritual fitness and mental fitness. So we do a really good job with that. And with Joe Time Fitness, our goal is to meet you where you are. And mm -hmm. so corporations have, a come, have us come in to implement fitness programs, to talk to us about, talk to them about what it takes to be successful in business and how being physically fit helps them with their end, end product, which is to make sure morale is good and product, productivity is increased. Is that one of the things that you talk about? I apologize, I haven't read your book, yeah. but is that one of yeah. some of the things, the principles that you talk about? What are uh, some of the ones that 
you know, if you were to give a talk to, to, to a business person or an entrepreneur who maybe hasn't run a day in their life, right. you know, how can they still? Well, the book has P principles for life. Yeah. So the book has questions at the end of the chapter, and the goal is for you to read the, the um, book, and at the end of each chapter, you answer the questions, and then you have a template for whatever your initial goal was. So this book is used on college campuses for the freshman experience. A lot of corporations buy the book for their employees to help yeah. them navigate through um, diversity and inclusion and, and things like that. So that's the basic fundamentals of the, of the book. Okay. I remember in, in high school, I just bring, I bought Michael Johnson's Slaying the Dragon book right after yeah. he won in Atlanta, and that was a big motivation. I just remember, I just saw it the yeah. other day because it sit on my bookshelf. Yes. Um, I want to talk, you mentioned the Head to Toe Fitness program, and yes. that's, this, this already begun, correct? Can, yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? So that like, program was a program that we're doing in Allentown at okay. CSC schools, and yes. that's a pre-K program. So myself and uh, Tyrone Johnson and Elizabeth Walker are some of the people that implement the program with the K, uh, the pre-K students there. Right. And uh, they call them kiddos. So we go in and we do a fitness part, which is relay races, balancing, team participation. And then we're also in the classroom going over ABCs and alphabet and um, little small math problems with the kids. And so we do the fitness and then the academic part. And it's really cool. We collect data on them and we see where they were at the beginning of the class and we see where they are now. So it was a really great opportunity to be able to have these programs and give them something fresh and new. And they are so happy to see us. They don't want to leave. They learn. And you think at four and five, you know, what, what are they going to learn? Well, they learn about, first of all, listening, mm -hmm. following instructions, and um, they learn to respect one another. We take time with them. So it's really cool. The programs that we do are pre-K through 12. So we just adapt the programs for the group that we're speaking to. Okay. I think that's interesting. I mean, it's, it's important where you're, you know, hey, here are the athletic things, and I'm an Olympic athlete who can show you some yeah. of the, you know, really important things, but it's also classroom as well. Right. Is that something that you see go hand in hand? If you're going to do well on the field, you know, it's important to do yeah. well in the classroom. Absolutely. My mother was Jetta Clark, and my father's Dr. Joe Clark, and they believed in academics and all also athletics. So I also want to implement that for kids. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you're going to be a student athlete, you're going to make sure you do the best that you can. Everybody can't get an A or be a, a valedictorian, but you can maximize your skill sets. And I always say your mind's like a parachute. It only works when it's open. So it doesn't matter what school you are attending, if it's not if you if you're not open and receptive to the knowledge, you're not going to learn. So it doesn't matter if you're at Tennessee or Moravian yeah. or wherever you are, if you're not getting involved in this uh, curriculums, if you're not getting involved, involved in the classroom setting, if you're not meeting people, it's not going to end well for you. Right. And maybe you'll do well for a little while in one field, but after a while, it's good yeah. to have that, that yeah. balance. Um, yeah, even more. I, we didn't talk about the State Farm um, October's Fire Prevention Month. Yes. And can you talk a little bit about your partnership with State Farm and what's that? What's well, that? that's exciting. Arlene Lester from State Farm came over to us and wanted to be part of our uh, our podcast. I say <laughs> our because I have uh, Tyrone Johnson as my co-host, mm -hmm. and he happened to be a retired firefighter. Okay. So they were <laughs> like, oh, wow, this would be really great. Do it in October where you have him. Uh, as part of this this whole process. So what we have is we get sponsors to 
um, sponsored the whole month. Mm -hmm. So State Farm is sponsoring the entire month of October, Fire Prevention Month, but State Farm does more than just insurance. They do financial things, they do driver safety. So our other weeks, we'll talk about teen driving, uh, driving and insurance and financial fitness. And so it's gonna be really good. We did the first show already and that went well. Fire prevention and fire safety. So uh, we had a great audience for that. I mean, you're really branching out. I, I didn't even get to, I wanna talk about some of your beauty products as well, yes. and your, your skincare and all that. But I mean, going into having a podcast, you know, do, going into, you're really trying to get to all these different avenues to continue to, to reach people. And yes. I think that's, that in itself is a lesson to other people who are maybe looking to do that to say, hey, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that you have. You, you can start a podcast, just yes. look at us, we're sitting in here yeah. and yeah. doing pretty quickly. So. Well, I think for me, I, I, there are some times that you want to do things just to do, and then other times you want to make, make it a business. So the podcast for us has become a business because we have sponsors. Right. Yep. And you know we get uh, uh, we get sponsorships and it helps with the bills, if you will. But I sure. think that the passion that we have and the passion that I have for my kids, the passion that I have for women and men of all colors, all ethnicities, I think that that is really something that permeates throughout what I do, mm -hmm. and that is what energizes me. So it's not about just being uh, exclusive. I'm about being inclusive. Okay. And so I try really hard to have programs to talk about and give people information that's gonna let you know that I, you know, we may look differently, but there's a lot of similarities here. So let's look at those things. All right, and let's talk a bit too about some of the, the products you have. Is that, yes. when did you become another entrepreneur? <laughs> well, you know, in order to be self-employed, mm -hmm. and I've been that for over 25 years, and you know most businesses don't make it past five. Yep. Self-employed. Uh, so um, I did the Joe Etta, which is an all-natural body perfume and a roll, is a rollator. And I came up with this because I was at an event. Okay. And people were saying to me, Joetta, we want to be like you, we want to be a champion like you, but we don't, we can't run. You know, what, what do you have? What else do you have? I'm like, wow, what do I have? I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. But then I came up with the perfume saying, hey, if you put this on, you could be a champion as well. Sure. So this is the Joetta. So then I got the Mango Queen, which is a body lotion, mm -hmm. and then we had the body scrub. So wherever you are, if you want to be like me or uh, aspire to greatness or being your champion, put some of this on, and then it's like it switches that um, that switch inside of you that says, hey, I got to turn it up or not because Joetta is, is next level. Yeah, you're like, so I, have to, I have to respect her if I'm putting yeah, this on. Yeah, I got, I Do you get any faster with that? If I were to wear oh, that, geez, I, I, don't, I don't have anything improve to improve my 40 times. You don't get faster, but you smell good. <laughs> <laughs> you smell good, that's for sure. And your skin is nice and, and smooth. And it's all natural. Okay. So if anyone wants to get the Joetta products, um, they can go to my website. Sure. Um, Joetta Sports and beyond.com or they can just put my name in, in Google sure. search and it comes up put Joe Etta in and it comes up and we, and we are going to have all those uh, links in our show notes so if you want to okay. check out any of her stuff just go in the show notes and, yes. and do that um, kind of to, to wrap up here I mean again if we, we had all day we could do this I know yes. that you're busy you have yeah. things that you're going to today yes. and I appreciate your time again but for someone you know who's accomplished so much um and continues to do so. Mm -hmm. How do you stay motivated? How do you wake up and go, okay, I don't need necessarily to do all these things I'm gonna right. do today. I've accomplished so much, I could go to, you know, wherever in the Caribbean mm -hmm. and enjoy some time. Yes. How do you stay motivated? How do you get up and do that? Well, I think it's my, um, my personality. 
first of all. Uh, and I think that uh, I'm always wired. And I think that my parents raised us that way to be relevant, to be uh, humble, and to make a difference not only in your life, but in the lives of others. So as long as I have the energy and breath and the, the um, expertise, I'm going to continue to do that. Now, there are times when you want to, you know, just relax. Sure. So that's why with the book and with the perfumes, those are other ways and resources for me to uh, generate some income. Right. And the motivational speaking, I love to do that. So I, I enjoy speaking to corporations and colleges and universities and kids. I, I'm passionate about that. And so I think that if I had to choose between the two, the speaking I would do, forever okay. because it allows me to talk to people right. to touch and feel and even during the pandemic I've been doing things virtually mm -hmm. and it's worked out well um, sometimes now I do go back in person and I'm going back on college campuses now but I think that I, when I'm talking to student athletes or corporate people I think the message isn't about again being a, an Olympic champion right. but it's about being the champion of your life right. and maximizing your skill sets so that this world is a better place, so that your job is a better place, so that your children are better people. So I think that that's the message that I like to spread when I'm speaking. And I give you steps, like the book, mm -hmm. have a purpose, get prepared, be patient, get perturbed, persevere and pray. And those are my P's that I try to instill or either introduce to you to help you get through your, your day in the office, mm -hmm. your day at home, your day as a student athlete. It doesn't really matter what you are, but if you use those P's, it can help you through everything. And I think now is the time, the last year, you know, there's a lot of people who could use that yes. and, and who, who are maybe looking for some of those messages. So. Thank you. You're welcome. And I want to thank you again so much for, for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, this has been great. And I know there's going to be so many people jealous of me. I can't wait to, <laughs> My to put the podcast out there. So, Joetta, again, yeah. thank you so much. Good thank luck. Um, Joetta Clark Diggs, please check out all of her notes in our, our show notes, all the links in the show notes to find out more about her. Yes. And, again, good luck with all the uh, upcoming, the Head to Fitness program, uh, the podcasts I want to listen to. Yes. Uh, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joetta. I appreciate being here. Another huge thank you to Joetta. Please be sure to check out JoettaSportsAndBeyond.com for her most recent up-to-date information and everything that she's doing. I'm your host, George Wacker with the Lehigh Valley with Love Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Michael Bertadin with Remax Realty, Molly's Irish Sports Pub and Grill in Bethlehem, and VentureX. We want to do some stuff with you, so get in touch with us. All of our links are in the show notes or hit us up at LehighValleyWithLoveMedia.com. We'll talk to you soon.